welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Claude Silver, Chief Heart Officer of VaynerMedia. Thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast today. Great to be here, Eric. Thank you so much. You know, I've been a fan of yours and following your work, your themes, your presentations for years now. But for those who are new to Claude, who are new to our conversation, can you share a little bit about what you're up to right now? What's exciting you? What's interesting you at this given moment? Yeah, thanks so much for the question. So I have the incredible honor every single day of working for about 900 people. I act as Switzerland every single day of my life, which means I hold people's space. I hold it in a very neutral way without judgment. And everything I do really ladders up to the health and wellness, not only of the organization, VaynerMedia, but to each and every individual. And I'm very, very fascinated by team and team dynamics and leadership in particular. And what's been on my mind right now is really leadership, quite frankly, and how leaders, I believe firmly, are here to be guides, here to be Sherpas, here to be coaches. And our role is to turn others into heroes. And it's something that works well some days and it doesn't work well other days. And quite frankly, I think that you know, one needs incredible self-awareness and humility to be a, a leader in today's day and age. And the ability to realize that you don't need to mark your territory in order to be mm. a leader. You need to actually share your territory mm. so it becomes everyone's territory. And then we can have really wonderful, creative, innovative conversations. Why is it that leadership works better some days and not as well other days? Is that a lack of self-awareness on those other days? Or is it something deeper? I think it comes down to power and control. And I, I think that every human being, whether or not it's every day in your life or at some point in your life, you want to be in control and pretend you're probably more in control than you are. Because hmm. you know, the, the fact of the matter is, as we all know, we can only control ourselves. We can't change other people. We can't control other people. And yet, as humans, we want things to go how we want them to go, right? So we want to micromanage or we want to over-process things. I do believe it's unconscious a lot of the time. And I do believe mm -hmm. we always want best. I absolutely think that we want the best for people and the best for ourselves and the best, best outcomes. And it is hard to get out of our own way. Something that's fascinating me about the discovery of this one degree shift and everything behind it is the raising of the level of consciousness in the decisions that we make. I mean, I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. And I, would believe that if we raise the level of consciousness in our decisions that we can be more self-aware because mm -hmm. the decisions that we make are more intentional. How is it that we can be more intentional about the decisions that we make and raise the level of consciousness in our thinking so that we can be more self-aware and become a better leader as a result? Ultimately, raising consciousness is something that people need to wake up to. It is happening unbeknownst to most of us who are just going through life, maybe sleepwalking or just maybe not in tune with what is happening in the world today. And that's not a judgment on them. That's who they are. That's how they're programmed. But the idea of raising consciousness requires one to be awake. 
or to be mm-hmm. willing to win. And, you know, how do you get someone, when I just said you can't control anyone or change anyone's behavior, how do you guide someone into this world of waking up and being more conscious and, and helping people show up in the world intentionally? That, I think, is our role as leaders. And we can do that by inspiration and by example and showing ways in which we have become self-aware in our own journeys, ways in which we have fallen and gotten back up, ways in which we have chosen to show up in a more vulnerable and courageous way today rather than the way we showed up yesterday. So it does ladder quite a bit up to uh, humility for me and this idea that we are all the same. I, I really don't see a difference between humans. I think that we are all in each other. And if we were able to see more of that or embrace that, I think that is one way to raise consciousness and become awake, which is empathy, quite frankly. Are there moments in your life or career, or is there one that stands out? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here and I apologize for that, where you have made a pivot or using our language, a one degree shift to increase your level of self-awareness to become more empathetic and to be just generally present to the decisions that you're making that perhaps you weren't yesterday or in a situation, I suppose, the day before. Yeah, I mean, I can count 10 right now on, on 10 fingers. So I've, I've lived a long life and I think I've lived many lives in those long, long years. But I pivoted in this, into this role here at VaynerMedia where I was in the world of advertising for many years in in the world of content, the world of client relationships and ROI and all of that stuff. And that was really towards the last few handful of years, that was really kind of killing my soul. And I knew that that's not what I was supposed to do here on this earth. And it was really important for me to follow what I believed was my bliss, but also follow my purpose, which is really to be of joyful service and to help people facilitate growth and change and and unlock themselves. And so Mm -hmm. I resigned. I resigned to Gary Vaynerchuk. And in doing that, it opened, it freed me. It freed me up and it opened me up to what it is I think I've always been doing my whole life. And now I can do it intentionally with 900 folks. What was that moment where you discovered that that change or that pivot needed to happen? What was that discomfort and how did you raise the level of consciousness of that discomfort to be able to act on it? The moment happened, it it happened a few different times within about a, a four or five year span, I will say that. And I found myself in meetings discussing things that were not only not important to me, they, I felt, were devaluing the collective intelligence, quite frankly, of the room. Mm. And, and I don't, certainly don't want to put down the, the industry at all, at all of advertising because it was good to me. But they were just, I found that I was going into, quite frankly, like self-hatred mode. And that is a no-no. And I know enough uh, about myself to know what those patterns and what that feeling, what the energy feels like, if, it, if ever I right. go there, which, you know, it's a dark hole. And I think we can all relate. And so I needed to pull myself out of that. And the only way to pull myself was to actually do the work, 
couldn't, I right. couldn't tell, someone wasn't going to tell me like, hey, Claude, you know what? Why don't you just work with people all day? I mean, I was working with people and I was also helping, you know, top line revenue grow. So sure. I had to really listen to the voices that were going on inside of me to say like, this is, this isn't, this isn't you. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. There are other people that can do this job and you need to lean in to your strengths. And that is, and that is being with people. So you say you needed to do the work and and I hear that often and I know we all need to do the work, but what did the work look like for you? Well, first it it looked like being almost like feeling like I was hitting a rock bottom, if you will. And I don't want to be so dramatic, but it felt like I was really losing myself. So becoming a shell of myself. And becoming a shell of myself means a non-inspirational person and feeling like I don't have a lot to, to add, you know, lack of confidence, mm. whatnot. And the work was actually hiring a coach mm. to help me for six months, not only find out what wasn't working, but the directions in which I wanted to go and then helping me find my voice, my actual voice and almost script to actually mm. have the conversation very cool. Well, thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And you know, the, the saying goes, sometimes it's darkest before dawn. And here we are, Chief Heart Officer of, of VaynerMedia. What does it mean to be a Chief Heart Officer? And how might that differ from a CHRO or a People in Culture uh, VP? What does that look like in practice at VaynerMedia? And, and how does that differ from other, let's call them equivalent positions, just in terms of practice, but how do you approach the position differently? Yeah, that's great. So when Gary and I sat down and he said, that's it, you're coming back to VaynerMedia, you're going to be chief heart officer. I knew what that was because it is who I've always been. And I was Mm -hmm. acting a similar role when I was here, just on the, I was also at another day job here. And I said, okay, great. How do we know if I'm successful? And he said the following, which I equate to my job description daily. You will touch every single employee and infuse the agency with empathy, period. So I needed to figure out how I was going to do that. And touching, impacting 800, 900 people means I need to meet with them. And I meet with every employee on a 15-minute basis. Today, in fact, two of those meetings turned into 45 minutes, just based on where we were, where we were going, what the need was. And my job is to meet with every single person, look for, you know, collect data, look for patterns, see what's working, what's not working ahead of any kind of pothole that we may fall in. So my job is is very much on the proactive offensive side rather than on the reactive side. And I I do Mm -hmm. feel like HR has been relegated really to the back office, reactive, compliance, employee law, we're on the defense. And I get it. I get it. We do mm-hmm. things very well here. It, you know, Gary and I think about heart and humans as the same thing. I mean, heart is the central operating system of any human being, and human beings are the central operating system of any organization, even the organizations sure. that are building robots. So heart was always a way that we were speaking about people and humans. And infusing self-awareness and EQ into this organization while also tough love, please, you know, this is not all sure. rosy. It, it is my job. And to be able to scale Gary on a daily basis and make sure that 
we are running this organization and company in the way that he founded it, you know, which is to be the greatest human organization of all time. And so mm-hmm. that means we need to help people identify roadblocks, help them get from point A to point D, learning and develop and work on diversity and, and make sure that we're doing the right kind of educating on diversity today, making sure that we're bringing in leaders who know how to lead. And if not, let's help them lead because everyone deserves a fair shot. So um, I'm looking at all of this and and resourcing and recruiting sits under me and culture sits under me and the strategic movements of this organization. So really, you know, running all of the people portion is my job every day. Let me ask you this. Why aren't more companies functioning like VaynerMedia? Why doesn't your role exist in more places? Why aren't more organizations taking taking an empathetic approach and this people first, this heart approach? I mean, ultimately it comes from the top. And so I happen to work with an incredible CEO who is very much people first. He's always saying that he's he's 5149, 51% honey, 49% empire. And he really, he puts his money where his mouth is. He cares about human beings. He really truly believes in the possibility that each and every one of us have within us. And so working for someone like that, which he's blessed this place to be a people first culture is why I am so lucky to walk in here every day. It would be much Mm -hmm. more difficult if I worked for a CEO who, you know, reported to Wall Street potentially, or who was more empire driven than honey, or who really just saw uh, people as, as functional, you know, function, functional and tactical. And it's very different here. I mean, we want people, and this is Gary's POV. I mean, he wants people to work with him for an eternity and mm-hmm. figuring out what to do that, even when people have left this company as part of the magic. Are you seeing an ideal tenure at VaynerMedia? And is it longer than the typical, let's say, American average? Yeah, I would say so. So we've been here 10 and a half years. We still have employee one, two, three here. The bulk of our employees have been here seven years down to about four years. And that's Uh where the the is. We see natural attrition in certain departments at about two and a half, three years. And that's to be Mm -hmm. expected in Indian departments. But yeah, we've got a great a great retention rate I'm really proud of. And it's something that we, you know, we cannot, we can never sleep. We can never sleepwalk through. Right. We have to constantly be, be cultivating the culture with every single employee here. Right. Well, I, I, I thank you for saying that. And perhaps the last question or the last idea that, that I want to discuss today is that 15 minute meeting. Do you have a, a recipe or a formula for success? Are there certain questions that you'll ask on a repeated basis that enable those meetings to be successful? Um, absolutely not. I don't do recipes, actually. It is very much an intuitive process for me. I know okay. that this person is coming in and they've asked for the meeting that I pretty much know they're going to present me with something that happened on their review. Maybe they didn't get the right promotion that they wanted. They're having a problem with a manager or leader. So I know that's going to happen. I'm, I'm rarely going to say, so how's it going? That's rarely mm-hmm. what I'm going to say. Sometimes I mm-hmm. say, let's play Rosebud Thorn. Sometimes I say, you know, what motivates you? What did you want to be when you were little? And what do you do when you're not here? I try to really meet people on a, just like a normal human level and then it all opens up. So right. there's no, there's really no recipe. I'm, I'm not linear enough like that. 
And the last question is, you know, if I'm a leader, I'm working with people on a daily basis, how can I increase the level of empathy that I bring to my people? You have to listen to them and you literally have to listen and keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're going to tell you exactly what it is that they are looking for or their emotional needs or their skill set needs. And as leaders, we need to listen and then figure out ways to take action on that. Fantastic. Claude, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today or any closing thoughts? You know, my closing thoughts is, you know, go out there with your eyes open and help people thrive in the workplace today. Fantastic thought to end. Claude Silver, thank you so much for joining us on the One Degree Shift podcast today. I hope you have a phenomenal day. Thank you so much, Eric. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit ericturmundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.